so good to be here with you this morning, and surely we intend to see God do a tremendous work here among the men. We're living in uh, some very incredible days, and I just really believe that God has something to say to all of us as men, especially, you know, being a father, being a grandfather, or just being a single man. You know, if you're looking for a wife and you're praying for a wife, surely you want to be what God intends you to be as a man. Otherwise, your marriage will never work. It will fall apart. And many, many marriages have fallen apart over the years. We've seen so many men messed up by pornography, men by drugs, alcohol, all these things that just sets a man and totally devastates his life and totally ruins him completely. You know, when I came to know the Lord, it's, it's really important because, you know, I grew up in a heathen home. I didn't, I didn't have any Christian teachings or my, uh, my whole family was Catholic, you know, but they were hardcore Catholics. You know, when somebody died in our family, you, some of you can relate, they wore black for a whole year. <laughs> you couldn't hear music. You couldn't watch TV because it was so critical, you know, the person that died. And I thought, why, wow, you know, poor, you know, I hope nobody else dies for the next year. You know, so we'll have to, no TV, no movies, nothing like that, you know, a lot of tradition. But it's really important that we understand that it's not, a re, it's not a religion, but a relationship that we have with Christ. That's what touches our lives. And it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. You know what? We all need Christ. We know that. Without Christ, what happens? We perish. We have really no meaning in life. Nothing can really be said. Because it's not our kingdom, it's His kingdom. We promote Him. We give him all the glory and honor for what he has done and he's going to do even here today. And that's why we're here today, you guys. I would like to start out this morning, before I do my teaching, just a real important thing that I believe. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one that speaks to our hearts through his word. And his word never comes back void. We already prepare our hearts in worship. You know, now we're going to get ready to hear the word of God. And maybe there are some of you here today that were invited by someone, and maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, man, what did I get myself into? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And if you're miserable, I'm glad you're miserable. You know what I'm saying? Because the Lord brought you for a purpose. And one of the things that happens is that you can sit here the whole day, but if you don't have an ear to hear what God is saying, you'll go back out of here the same person you came here. Amen. There won't be a change in your life. So I'm going to ask you as a real man, as a wimpy man, as a real man, if you're here for the first time, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to receive him so that your heart can open up and your mind can open up to the Holy Spirit to hear the studies, I'm going to ask you right now to come up here and receive the Lord. Right out of the blue. Get up and come. Anybody here? I want to challenge you this morning. Get up and come. Because <clears throat> that's why we're here. We've all done it. Neat. Cool. Just get up and come. Let's get up and come. Thank you. It's neat. Cool. That's all we're doing, man. Neat. Good. All right.
You know, one, one of the things, one of the things, you guys may be seated, one of the things that is really important is that if you don't come now, you can come later. That's fine. But the thing about it is, God intends to open your heart today. And it begins by humbling ourselves before the Lord, because we're real men. We, you know what? We stink, you guys. And without the Lord, we stink even more. You know what I'm saying? So you get to come up here. That's why we're here. So if you haven't come up yet, man, get up and come now. Real quickly. We don't have much time. Okay? Just get up and come. Cool. All right. Cool. You came with problems with drugs, or maybe your marriage is falling apart, you know, or you're just out there, way out in left field, man. This is the place to be today, because God wants to change your lives. That's why these guys have come. Anybody else? I feel there are more of you, okay? You, you can hide, but you can't run, okay? And God will find you, because He loves you so much that He wants you to come to know His love and grace and mercy. That's why we do this. We don't do it for ourselves. We do it for Him. Anybody else? I just in my heart, there's more people here. If you haven't come, to just get up and say, I'm only a man, and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to make my declaration that I want to become a Christian. Anybody else, before I pray? As the Holy Spirit speaks to you completely. That's why we're here. Okay, anybody else before I pray? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, for these men that have volunteered and are committing themselves to you this morning, Lord God, to hear your word, to receive you as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, I pray for them. Lord, you brought them here. You have spoken to them already. And Lord, we pray for them now that you touch them and anoint them, Lord. And those of you that have come, I want you to pray with me this prayer. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your hearts, okay? Pray with me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me, Lord, for all of my sins. I confess to you that I am a sinner. I ask you to cleanse me, wash me by your blood, and I receive you by faith as my Lord, my Savior. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to give you a Bible later on. Just go back and sit down. Later we'll give you some Bible stuff. All right? Cool. There. All right. <clears throat> if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 with me this morning. The title that was given to me was Godly Living in Hard Times. And that's a very unique title. As Paul the Apostle here is going to speak to us. I believe that we are living in the last days. All you have to do is just kind of look around at this world and it's really falling apart. You can't help not to see that. And I'm always amazed at how many people are lost in the world. How many people really need Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? And even though we have so much technology today with cable and the internet and television and all these things, yet people are missing the point concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Too much is given, much more is required, the Bible says. As we sit in church or as we hear a message on the radio or television or we pick up a magazine and we read the gospel, you know, we become aware of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And from that point and day, God will hold you accountable for reading or hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet for me, it's a real blessing and a pleasure to be here with all you men. Because we know what it's like in our heart it is to be the leader of our homes. And to be in a place of work where there is a lot of temptation. There's a lot of people pulling you one way, another way. And at the same time, we need to make that stand of non-compromising. And make a stand and say, you know, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to bend my knee to Satan or to the world or to the flesh. But I'm truly, surely going to give my life to him fully and completely. That's what happened to me when I got saved. 24-year-old, you know, I had done it all. Pornography, not alcohol, not drugs. But I had been to war and I had done everything on the streets. And yet at the same time, my life was empty, without hope and without God. And when God touched my life, I made a decision to follow him. And I didn't care what people thought about me. I think it's really important to step up to the plate and to say, you know what? I'm going to follow the Lord no matter what. Because we all fall and trip. We all do that. But at the same time as we trip and fall, yet God strengthens us. And God, through His grace and love and mercy, allows us to be in the place of worship. Before a holy God. An unholy people coming into his presence as we repent and accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And we have to be sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit to make a decision in my life. No, I'm not going to hang out with these guys anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to go in the internet and look at pornography anymore. It's destroying my mind. It's destroying my marriage. It will destroy you personally. It will do that. And yet as, the, as this text was given to me, I, I couldn't believe it. There's 18 characteristics here for the last days that are given to us by Paul as Paul is speaking to Timothy. Look what he says beginning with chapter 3. Let's read our text beginning with verse 1. But know this, that in the last days hard times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without a self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For if this sort of those are those who creep into households and make captives gullible women loaded down with sins and led away by various lusts, always learning, but notice, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jansons and Jambres resisted Moses, so that these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, 
But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to all as theirs also was. You see, the emphasis here by Paul the Apostle speaking to Timothy is concerning knowledge and responsibility. Knowledge and responsibility. Paul here is informing Timothy about the character of the last days and instructing him how to respond to be a godly man. Why? Because it speaks of action. Actions must be based on our knowledge as we do that. Otherwise, how can it really work? We're taking a leap of faith when we come to Christ. When I received the Lord Jesus Christ, I wasn't in a church. I was in my home waiting for my wife to come home so I can kill her, kill my kids, and then shoot her out with the police, and then they could kill me. And yet God knew my condition, God knew my problem, and he made me right where I was at. At the same time, by sending Pastor Chuck, being on a television program, and me trying to actually break my television, coming on, and Chuck being able to preach to me through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit get a hold of my life, then God began to work. And that's the way God works in our life, in our life. We can be in a liquor store or at work and God can touch our lives because God wants to reach down and touch every one of us here today. Too many Christians are like the pilot who informed his passengers, we are lost, but we are making very good time. <laughs> Think about that. You know? I mean, yeah, we're making very good time, but where are we going? To disaster. So many people's lives are like that. You know, time moves so quickly, so quickly, and before we know it, they'll be singing at our funeral. They'll be speaking about us. And at the same time, what will they say about you when you come to the end of your life? Have you made a mark? Are you making a mark? Are you living an inheritance, spiritually speaking, to your family, to your friends, to your loved ones? Really important. Because in these last days, not only are people desperate, lonely, empty, and at the same time, desperate. Anxiety is hurting so many people. Because so many things are happening in our world today. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. We've seen it on television. We've read it in the newspapers. We've gone online and seen it all, all over the internet. Written how many people have died just in this past three years. Because of catastrophes. And yet, here, Paul the Apostle is going to talk to us about the characteristics of the Christian life. And things that are happening in a person's life. And what's amazing to me is that here when Paul is talking to Timothy and reminding him that these are the last days, he doesn't want him to forget what Peter said. In 2 Peter 3.9 he said, For the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as sound counts slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God doesn't want to send people to hell. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 25, 41, it says that God never made hell for men, but hell was created for the devil and his demons. If any person ever goes to hell, it's by their own choice, not God's choice. God wants to give you heaven. 
through his son Jesus Christ. And yet within a period of these last days, there is a time coming, a season coming, and of different kinds, but at the same time, as you can see, that Paul here is very, very, um, how can I say, very desperate, because he says that we are living in perilous times, or the word means dangerous or hard to deal, or savage days in the Greek. Savage days. They're going to increase like a woman having a child. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. The pain. The baby's coming forth. And Jesus said that. That before he would come again, things would begin to be intensified. Things would begin to happen quickly. And yet we're not appointed unto wrath. The Lord is going to deliver his church. But I really believe that God is speaking. A television person called me up and said, when this whole thing took place, remember the tidal waves and all that stuff? And then the earthquake came. And he said, do you think this is the wrath of God? Oh, I said, well, I really believe that God is flexing his muscles just a little bit. And he hung up on me. <laughs> he hung up on me. People don't want to hear it. That God is speaking loud and clear through nature. He's speaking loud and clear that he's coming again. And yet the word that is used here for perilous or hard times or dangerous times, it, in, in, in the same Greek word is used for the violent demoniacs in Matthew 8, 28, where Jesus was casting out the demon. Remember the two demons that were possessing that person? And when he came out, there was 2,000 pigs, and they went out and ran violently. That's the word used here. It suggests that violence of the last times will be energized by demonology, by Satan and his demons. Interesting. First Timothy, Timothy says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the last times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Notice that. Doctrines of devils. The seduction to demonology. Surely we see that. And here Paul is instructing Timothy and giving him three instructions to obey in order that his ministry might be effective in during the hard times, even in his own time. And here we are now in the last days. Surely we need this teaching. First he told him, turn away from the false. Secondly, he told him to follow those who are true. And thirdly, he told him, continue in God's word. And then he gives us here 19 different characteristics listed in this chapter for men in the last days. 19 characteristics. Five terms have, uh, here are used by the prefix phil in the Greek, which means friend or lover. And at the same time, there is no less than 35 words in the New Testament beginning with the word phil, like phileo, Fill in the Greek here that are used by Paul. Three, or, or actually the 18 or the 19 characteristics here, he starts out first of all with speaking and saying, perilous times will come. Notice that again what he says here. Chapter 3, verse 1. He says, but know this, that in the last days, hard times will come. It means difficult, troublesome, trying, uneasy, hard, violent threatening, dangerous days. Surely we see that. 
but we're so used to it that we can become callous to tragedy. It happens. It happens in war. The first time we saw a killing in Vietnam, you know, it really bothered us. But as we began to kill and began to do what we had to do, it just became part of the job. And it happens to policemen. It happens to firemen. It happens to doctors. You know, when you're always around blood, that can happen in violence. And yet we know that Paul here is talking to us and saying that in the last days we need to be careful that we do not become callous in the things that are going to be happening. Because hard times will come. Uneasy days will come. Violent days will come. And then secondly, notice in verse 2 and 4 here the godlessness. For men will be lovers of themselves, Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The first mark of the last days would be what? A godless world. We see that. Let me give you all these characteristics, what they mean. Number one, people will be lovers of their own selves. This is not, this is not normal. This is not speaking about natural love of life. But as one self, they would have it means selfishness and self-centeredness. Me first. Loving myself. Not caring about anybody else out there. Paul says there's going to be a self-love in the last days. Man, surely we see that today. People are in love with themselves. We were watching television last night, uh, or the night before, I don't know when it was, and they had this program where the movie stars get their dogs pedicures. Can you believe that? Their nails, their breath, they're combing them out. And, I mean, how stupid, you know that? <laughs> how dumb. And then how much they take care of themselves, you know, their skin, you know, their hair. <sighs> how dumb. This is, listen, this is just a little mud and dirt. And if you add a little water, what happens into it? It turns into mud. Because you know what? When we die, what happens? The body goes back into the earth, but what matters is the spirit. What you do with the spirit. So many people are concerned about the outward body, like the Gnostics. It doesn't really matter what you do outwardly. But it does. Why? Because when we come to Christ, we're not supposed to be self-centered. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This body now belongs to God. And my will has been submitted to who? To the will of God. So there's no room for self-centeredness. God-centeredness. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The second thing that I see here in the teaching is people will be covetous. Covetous. The word means lovers of money and lovers of possessions. They're never satisfied. You just got to keep buying. You're not satisfied with what God's given to you. I think in these last days as God's people and God's men, we need to really be careful of these characteristics because they creep in so easily in our lives, even though we're Christians, you guys. It happens. I guarantee you that I, 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 some of these characters, I fit in this perfect picture. Some of us here fit perfectly. And that's why we're here this morning, because we want to get rid of that self-centered life. We want a Christ-centered life. 
We don't want to be coveting. We don't want to be, you know, lovers of money and possessions. It, it, there's nothing wrong with that. It's when those things begin to possess us, they become wrong. Because then they take us out of our priorities. And that is seeking first the kingdom of God. The scripture says that. And then notice he says people will become boasters, braggarts, pretenders, vaunters, swaggers. Imagine that. People that are always talking about who? Me. You ever been with people where you're, you're showing a picture and, and, and don't tell me because you're lying. And when you look at a picture, who do you look for? Me. <laughs> you want to see how you look. You don't care about everybody else. Where is me? Ah, here I am. That's what we are. You see, and here he's talking about, you know, braggarts, pretenders. And then when that happens, you know, the next word that he uses is interesting because we all have this pride, proud. Self-exaltation, conceit, being haughty, putting oneself above others, looking down upon others, scorn and contempt. Oh no, you got to open the door for me. You got to serve me because I'm special. No. Jesus said, if you want to be the servant, you have to be the servant of all. Servant of all. You don't have people catering you. You're just like them. Who do you think you are? It doesn't matter who you are. You could be the boss. You could be the boss. But how beautiful it would be if you're the boss, a Christian boss to all your employees, and you came in and you taught by example. You see? Instead of demanding and wanting, and, and if you don't do this, I'm going to fire you, you know? Threatening. No? That's pride. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord if we're going to be honest to the Scriptures. Not proud. It means to show oneself, to lift up one's head above another, to hold contempt for another, to compare oneself with others. We all do that. Pride. That's the sin that took Satan down from heaven. Took him down. Completely down. And then he says, number five, is people will be blasphemers. The word means slander. Insult, rail, revile, reproach, curse. They'll be cursing. They'll be vile. Notice what he says here. They'll be insulting people. They slander people. Blasphemers. They have nothing good to say about anybody. They're always slandering other people and their character. And then six, he says, they're going to be disobedient to their parents. Boy, surely we see that today. Young people are out of control. Our counseling between parents and children are so many, so many parents coming in. Their children just unruly. Here the word that he uses for disobedient to parents is refusing to do what parents say, showing disrespect to their parents, either by yelling or cursing them out, or even becoming violent against them. Oh, interesting. I remember one time my son, my, he's 30 now, but when he was in high school, you know, he was, he was on drugs and he was having a hard time and he, he tried to punch me, you know. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool, <laughs> you know. But I just wanted to teach him a lesson, you know. And so I took him and I threw him about maybe 15 feet, you know. And I said, I said, you want to hit me again? Come on again, you know. 
And so he just kind of looked at me, and then the Lord showed me, you know, how I needed to treat him. And then a couple months later, he came out of drugs. But you know what? It's really important that we love our children, that we love our grandchildren. Surely we made our mistakes with our children, and surely we spoil our grandchildren. That's cool. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we have what? That we have that balance as godly men, because you're going to have children, you're going to have grandchildren, and what do we want to do? We want to make sure, like Paul says here, we want to teach him that to obey is to love God. To obey is to love God. Not to obey is to disobey God. Because if we don't do that, and if we don't chasten them, and we don't discipline them, Paul says what? We don't love our children or grandchildren. It's really important. In the last days, there's going to be a great deal of disobedience among the kids toward their parents. Seventh, people will be unthankful. No sense of gratitude or appreciation for one has and receives. No giving of thanks to God or man. I was kind of blown away a couple of weeks ago because in the past, whenever we've given races to our staff, you know, little notes and thank you so much, and this time we gave races and only two people came back and said thank you. No gratitude. You know where their hearts are at. You know, I deserve it. I need it. We need to be careful that we have gratitude to those that do good towards us. Because one of the things that he says here, in the last days, people will have a chip on their shoulder. They'll become unthankful. They don't care. They think they deserve I talk to young people. They say, man, I'm waiting for my mom and dad to die so I can get the house. I get the cars. Get the bank account. You know? I said, but it's true. It's true. And it's so sad that we as parents need to teach our children like the Jews. The Jews would teach their children a trade just in case, you know, to work. How to work. You don't want to spoil them by giving them everything and by keeping them on a leash. You need to cut them loose. Let them be responsible. That's part of parenting. Loving them, making mistakes, that's part of parenting. You see? And then exhorting them and loving them. But there are a lot of people today that are very unthankful, and that's one of the signs of the last days. Eight is people will be unholy, profane, indecent, shameless, given over to the most base passions, being blind to modesty, decency, purity, and righteousness. Look at the way women dress today. They all want to be belly dancers. <laughs> right? They show their bellies. They show their tops. I remember when we were hippies, you know, way back in the 70s, you know, and the girls, you, they, they didn't wear any bras, you know. So the people in the church would say, oh, pastor, can you tell those women to put on? How am I going to tell people? Excuse me, women, you need to come to church with bras, you know what I'm saying? That would be stupid, <laughs> you know. So I just told them, I said, hey, pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts, you know. We believe the Holy Spirit can do that, and the Holy Spirit does that. But today, there's no modesty. They wear the pants as tight as they can get them on, shirts, whatever it is, and they want to look sexual. You see? They want to entice. There's no shame. 
on holiness. People get hooked in pornography, dirty magazines, watching dirty movies. You know, people go to rated R movies and they're not even convicted by the cussing or the nudity or the sex. Listen, we are children of the light. We are holy, Paul says, set apart, consecrated for the kingdom of God. There has to be conscience. There has to be conviction. There has to be some things that we say, we're not going to do that. You need to make a stand to become holy, not unholy. And then ninth, he says, people will be without natural affection. What does that mean? Abnormal affection of, and love, heartless, without human emotion or love, lack of feeling for others, abuse of natural affection and love. You know, I really have to be careful with this one because I can really get pretty cold toward people. Especially if they come against me, I can really just, you know, say, forget your cutthroat, you know what I'm saying? And you can't do that as a pastor. And you can't do that as a Christian. You see? We always have to be careful of becoming cold. Notice, lack of feeling for others and say, I don't care about them. If they go to hell, praise the Lord. No, you can't do that. <laughs> I used to feel like that. You know, they want to go to hell, that's their choice. You know, who cares? I'm going to heaven, who cares? You know? No, notice what he says. And then he says... 10, truce breakers, breakers of promises and agreements, untrustworthy, faithless, treacherous, untruthful. Wow, I've seen that today. People are untruthful, you can't trust them. They're treacherous. They make promises, but they don't keep their agreement. You see? Be careful. And then he says, false accusers. That's the same word for the devil, slanders. The same word that the devil has used. And then 12, incontinent, undisciplined, uncontrolled, having no self-control or no power to discipline. Their life is a mess. A mess. These are the characteristics today. People 13, he says, will become fierce, savage, untamed. This is the word that describes the savage beast of a wild, a wild beast that is untrained in its fears in a cage. Interesting. Surely we saw what happened in New Orleans. This word describes it. Fierce. There was no control. People were out of control like animals. Interesting. You see? In the last days, we're going to see tremendous things that are going to blow our minds, you guys. And then in 14, he says, people will be despisers of those who are good. This refers to people despising both good people and good things. You ever been around people when you tell them you're a Christian and you don't want to do what they do, they kind of say, oh, well, you know, we don't want to hang out with you. They hate what you do. And then how about traitors? Have you ever been, have you ever been betrayed by somebody? <laughs> it hurts, huh? This word traitor means Betraying a trust refers to a person who betrays country, team, friends, and family. Interesting. A traitor. One that doesn't care about country. One that doesn't care about family or friends or a team. He betrays everybody and anybody. He's a Judas. A Judas Iscariot. 
He does not care. And then people will be heady, headstrong, reckless, rash, hasty, all without giving thought to the consequences. I don't care what's going to happen to me. You reap what you sow. I don't care. Full of pride, full of arrogance. And they do not care what's going to happen to them, even though they're sinning and you point their sin out. They don't care. Headstrong. And then he says people will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Partiers. We see that today, don't we? Partiers. Looking for a good time in a bad sense. Not for a good party. Looking for a party where you can pick up on the women, get drunk and take cocaine and whatever it is, drugs or whatever. Having a, ba- a, 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 in a in a bad sense, having a bad time in a party because we're doing everything that is evil and nothing that is good. They're not serving, you know, Hawaiian punch. That would be a good time. Good music. Dirty music. Dirty language. Things going on in the back room. You see, in the darkness. It's a dark party. That's what it means here. People will become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They're pursuing. They're seeking for these kind of parties and good times. And then finally he says this. In verse 5, notice. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people, notice what he says, turn away. Don't fellowship with such people. There's a time when you cut off people. There's a time. Do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever what fellowship is like with darkness. Yes, they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we don't partake of their sins. And then Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, 7, what did he say? If you know of a brother that's living with a sister or in sexual sin or whatever it is, he says, don't even eat with them. If they don't want to repent, don't hang out with them. Cut it off until they repent. Then receive them back when they're fully repented and walking with God. Otherwise, they're what? Leavened to the body of Christ. Sin. And then the second mark for the last days in verses 6 to 9. Notice what he says, the powerless religion. For of this sort are those who creep into a household and make captive gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various desires of the flesh, Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I think there's people like that in the church too. I think there's a lot of these in my church. They're there, but they don't learn. How many times in council I've had people come in? We've been in your church for five years, my girlfriend and I, and, and we want to get married, and at first thing I ask them, are you living together? Oh, no, we live in the same house, but we sleep in different beds. Oh, sure, you're stronger than I could ever be. You know? And they finally confess. I said, how long have you been sitting listening to the word of God and there's no conviction? Deaf ears. What does he say? Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And who was like that in the Old Testament? Jansons, Jambres resisted Moses. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. This is a proof concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to all as theirs was also. So we see the third mark here in the last is will be what? A corrupt ministry. Corrupt ministry. 
Three things are said about corrupt ministers. Number one, corrupt ministers lead gullible followers astray. Number two, corrupt ministers resist the truth. And three, corrupt ministers and their corrupt religion will be exposed by Jesus himself when they stand in judgment. In judgment. All these pastors and ministers that are ripping off the people financially. They don't really trust in God and, you know, they wear the gold and, and the suits and the whole thing. Let me say this. If they don't preach Jesus Christ and they say that Jesus was rich and had all the money, they're lying to you. Lying to you because he didn't even have where to play his head. God has not called us to be superstars, movie stars, church stars. God has called us to be servants of the King. And the greatest example is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one. He paid for your sin, for my sin, with his precious blood. And he received us. And what has he done? He's cleansed us and washed us and made us white as snow. He took your sins and my sins and buried them in the deepest part of the ocean. And he remembers them no more. So men, let's get on with life and let's serve him fully and completely, for he's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.